turn with me in your Bible to two passages. You want to go to Isaiah chapter 55 and hold your place there, and then we're going to all start off in Genesis chapter 1. We're kicking off a new series today uh, called Fill and Be Filled. Fill and Be Filled, and this goes right along with the word of the Lord to us this year from Genesis chapter 1, where there were five key words that we're focusing on this year, and so we're on the third of the five. We walked through uh, uh, the very first one, which was be fruitful. And speaking of the fruitfulness that God brings about, that supernatural fruitfulness, not just that we're doing a little bit better than we could, you know, because we put in more effort, but it's because God is at work on our behalf. He's causing a supernatural fruitfulness. He's causing there to be results in your life that only He can produce when you partner in faith with Him. The second thing we talked about, and we just wrapped this series up a couple weeks ago, was on multiplication, that not only are we to become fruitful in and of ourselves and our lives, but we're to multiply so that, that it's like the picture of the tree that becomes very fruitful, but then those seeds from the fruit get planted so there's more trees, more fields, more orchards, more farms. You know, you can see it continuing to grow. And so you can translate that into your own life as taking what the Lord's done in your life, this, this fruitfulness, and causing that to expand throughout your life, but into the lives of others as well. And today we're going to get to the third word found here in Genesis chapter 1. Verse, let's actually look at verses 27 and 28 from the screen and read these out loud together. Let's go. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And, and so our series is Fill and Be Filled. Fill and Be Filled. And it's kind of, when we're, we're talking about filling the earth, it really does require us to be filled first. Not just with stuff, because I'm not just talking about filling the earth with stuff, but I want to talk to you about what it takes to fill the earth. And what it takes to fill the earth, according to what God is saying, requires us to first be filled. Now, we'll talk about a number of things over the next few weeks. I mean, of course, when God was speaking to Adam and Eve, he, he meant fill the earth, like have babies, right? Do your part. And then we heard from some people who were saying, we're doing our part, right? We're doing our part. <laughs> Fulfilling the word of God, right? So, so we know that it applies to that. But it's not just that. It's not just that, because obviously there's more to filling the earth than just simply populating it. You know, it, God said that the whole earth would be filled with his glory. He wants the whole earth filled with his glory. Now, the glory isn't some just mystical, like, like, like some, some cloud or haze or something like that, and like the glory of God is here, but it's the evidence of his presence, of his goodness, of his power, uh, of who he is. It's the evidence of God in the earth. It's part of the glory of God. And so he says, I, I want the earth to be filled with my glory. He wants the earth to be filled, especially as we're talking New Testament times, with his disciples. Jesus said, go into all the earth and make disciples of all the nations. He wants the earth, he wants us as his people to fill the earth with his disciples. This, this is so important to him. Not only that, but he goes on, and the Bible talks about being full of joy, being 
full of the Holy Spirit, full of provision. God wants us to be filled and to fill as well. That's what God wants for us. God wants his house full. Luke 4.23 says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Throughout the scripture, you'll see God talking about this. God doesn't look at the glass half empty. He'll look at an empty glass and call it full. This is how God sees things. He wants things full, full of goodness, full of grace, full of God. He wants your life like that too. This is what he desires for you. Today, what I want to talk to you about is the word and faith. The word and faith. Aligning ourselves with God's ways so that we get God's results. I ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Great passage here. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 11. God is speaking. And he's giving a a general uh, word to people so they understand some things. He says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. In other words, you're thinking and acting at too low of a level. This is what God is saying. And, and when we look around, when we, we, we talk to people, sometimes we even listen to ourselves. We know it's true, right? Like, man, we are not thinking high enough. We are not talking high enough. We are not believing and acting in alignment with God. We see this all around us. You hear it in the news. You hear it in conversation. Man, we are not thinking at the God level. And it shows up in the decisions we make. It shows up in the laws we pass. It shows up in the actions we take. We are thinking on an earthly level. Verse 9, God goes on to say, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Now listen, I say this is general because we know in the New Testament, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. And so there, are, there is the ability, the capacity of you to think godly thoughts, God-like thoughts, and to act in ways in accordance and alignment with God. This is what his desire is for us, right? And so he's saying this, and he's saying, listen, heavens are up here, earth's down here. That's like the gap between your ways and my ways, my thoughts and your thoughts. But then listen to how he goes on to explain how his stuff works, right? Verse 10, he says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God is saying, this is how my word works. It goes from heaven, it sinks in, it makes things happen on our behalf so that you have seed to sow and bread to eat, and it's always successful. God says that. Let's walk through this again. For as the rain comes down 
and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth. God is giving a picture of his ways, his thoughts, his actions, how these things, how these things work with his word. He says the rains come down. They don't go right back up, right? They go right down. They hit the earth. They soak in and they make something happen. They make the earth bring forth and bud. In other words, you know, we know God's not trying to break down everything as far as how plants grow and so forth. He said he's given this, this general idea. You understand this, right? Water comes and water sinks. Bam. The plants, the fruit trees, all that stuff, it grows. Stuff happens just simply because that rain is hitting it. Without the rain, nothing's happening, right? When there's drought, nothing's happening. But when that water comes, stuff starts to happen so that something else happens. God initiates things on the earth with his word. And when his word goes forth, it makes stuff happen so that it impacts others. What happens? It makes the earth bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God is comparing the way the rains come down and bring forth produce on the earth to the way his word comes and brings forth produce in your life. It, brings, it makes it happen so that the sower has seed, the farmer has seed. Sometimes people struggle with, do I have anything to give? This happens at time of the offering. It happens at times of, of invitations to volunteer. It uh, happens at times of invitation to just plain help out, maybe to step up and teach or, or mentor or uh, invest in someone else. Whatever it is, people can feel like, I don't know if I have something to give. I don't know, like, why would they want me? I'm just a, you fill in the blank. I, what is it? But see, this is how the word works. The word comes down from heaven, soaks in, and it provides seed to the sower. You have something to offer when you receive the word. You see, there's something about it that, that you can't really see happening, just like when the water hits and the, you know, it, it gets to the seed and stuff's working under the surface there. When the water of the word continues to pour into your heart, something happens on the inside, and you might still be just a whatever, but now all of a sudden, you've got some seed to sow. You've got something to offer. You've got the Word of God. You've got faith. You've got joy. You've got life. You've got strength, encouragement, insight, wisdom. You've got ideas and thoughts. You are not limited to the natural, because the Word of God has come in, and it provides seed for the sower. Everyone around you, everyone around you right now can be receiving this word, but you, you've got to not just let it hit them. You got to receive it in your heart. It brings seed to the sower, something to give. And then he says, and bread to the eater. God's not just concerned about, hey, give, 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 give out, but I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm going to take care of your needs. Seed for the sower first, bread for the eater as well. It's God's process. It's backwards compared to the world's ways. But again, God's ways are not our ways. On the plane, they say when those little oxygen things drop down, take care of yourself first and then those around you. Well, that makes sense 
and I'm not going against that advice, but that's the general advice that people have in life. Look out for number one. Hey, I've just got to take care of myself, right? We hear those things, and God's ways are not our ways. That's not God's ways. Hey, I've just got to take care of me first, and then I'll take care of you. God's ways are take care of others. I'll take care of you, right? It's backwards. It's opposite day, right? It's opposite day. <clears throat> this is how God's work. And so it brings, it brings uh, seed for the sower, bread for the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, meaningless, empty-handed. It will not return to me uh, without accomplishing what I sent it for. In fact, it will accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This is how God's word works. This is the way he thinks. This is the way he acts. God's word produces in us God's thoughts, faith, action. Let me look at here at a, at a scripture that would cause us to not see God's work in our life. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking to some people who Although the word of God said, honor your father and mother, they figured out ways to where they didn't need to honor their father and mother. And Jesus is addressing this. He said, even though, you know, the word says this, we can do this and this, and it frees us up before God from having to actually obey that verse. And, you know, apart from what he's really getting at with the heart of honoring mom and dad there and so forth, verse Matthew 15, verse 6 says, you have made the commandments of God of no effect by your tradition. By your teaching or your ways of seeing things, your ways of thinking, you've made the commandments of God, you've made the word of God to have no effect in your life. You see, God said, my word goes forth and it accomplishes things. And then Jesus said later on, but yet God's word has come forth and it's not accomplishing something in your life. And I'm going to tell you why. You see, we can, under, we can kind of think, well, why isn't God's word working in our life, right? If God is always faithful to his word. All these things should just be happening. Well, yeah, they are just happening. But you know, this is a big book. And there's a lot of things that are happening in your life that you don't highlight in your Bible. You highlight the good stuff, maybe, and you don't highlight the stuff about aligning your life with them and obeying. Or maybe you're one of those people that, and I, we probably don't have many here, but maybe, you know, there are people, they only highlight the bad stuff, the hard stuff, the judgmental stuff, because that's how they see God. And there's all this other stuff. You know, the Bible's a big book. It talks about a lot of different things from different angles. God is always faithful to his word, always faithful. He's always faithful to his word, and there's a lot of things he says. And so it's important for us to continuously be in the word, receiving it, because listen, somebody can preach a great message, but they don't preach the complete message at any time, any time, because you can't. There is so much to this word. You can preach a lifetime and, and lifetimes and never exhaust God's wisdom or knowledge or instruction. You can't get to everything. You can't fully, you know, you can't fully explain every aspect in all your teaching. You sure can't do it in one teaching series. 
That's why it's important for us to continually be sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving his word. Now, that's important to understand because there are things God has said about his word coming to pass, and there's some things that he said will cause it not to, that will limit his word's effectiveness in our life. He said, look at the amplified version of that verse. He said, he said uh, I'll pick up halfway. He said, so by this you have invalidated the word of God, depriving it of force and authority. You have invalidated the word of God, depriving it of its force and authority. God's word comes forth with force and authority. This is his intention for his word. He says, but you have invalidated it. You have made it of no effect. Oh, that ticket, that was only valid till yesterday. Right now, all you have in your hand is a ticket that's good for nothing. That's right. You know this ticket's valid or not. You've invalidated it. You've made the word good for nothing in your life. He said, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect for the sake of your tradition, that which is handed down by the elders. Your tradition. Not just ritualistic tradition, but tradition in, in this communication, this explanation, the thoughts, the words, and so forth, teaching. So that leads me to a question. What is the tradition, or the teaching, or your background, or the sayings, or the words, or the opinions that you listen to, that you have, you've come to believe? When I say believe, I mean you agree with them. You agree with these things. What is the tradition that you've come to believe that is keeping the Word of God from having effect in your life? That's something that you've got to ask and process through. You've got to go back and say, God, what, where have I grabbed hold of something that is not in alignment and is holding me back? The way I see things, the way I think, the thoughts of mine that are lower than your thoughts, the people I listen to as believers, we, we live in a time where it's so easy to argue about anything. <laughs> we always have, but I mean, like now you can argue with people you don't even see and you don't even know. You'll never know them. You will never know them. It's amazing. And you can get in heated arguments and hate somebody that only has a username, <laughs> right? I mean, I, my panties are in a bunch because of this, what they said. I mean, irritated as can be. We live in this back and forth. We go back and forth. Christians can get caught up also, not only in that, ask, that, that but um, in the opinions and, and, and wherever the wind of the culture is blowing, so that we come into agreement and we, we side with something that, that is lower than God's ways of seeing things. We start to see things on an earthly level, a natural level. We've agreed, it's become a tradition, a teaching, an understanding, an opinion that we've agreed with, and it limits the, the power of God, the effectiveness of God in our life. We see this happening in so many different areas. Whatever feels good to somebody is okay, and who are we to say? Right? You know, 
it's okay for them. Why should we judge, criticize? Why should we have a, a, a stand on this? How do we know? You know, you, you can kind of, you can fill in the blank of anything I'm talking about. Today's hot button or tomorrow's, it doesn't matter. Um, so we make God's word of no effect because we say, I know God's word says this, but, you know, this really makes sense to me. Or, or, or what about this and that? It becomes a tradition that, that limits the effectiveness of God's work in our life. When we align ourselves with the word of God, his ways and his thoughts, then we see the power of God at work in our life and through us, uh, through the long term. Through the long term, not just today, you know, stuff that's happening today, it's like, well, 15 minutes of fame, you know, everything is just so instant, immediate, but we're talking about a lifetime and generations and so forth. When you stand with the word, you'll see the difference. You see the difference. It's harder. Um, but you've got to stand, stand with the word of God. You've got to receive it, grab hold of it, and, and not give in to just the traditions or the ways of, of everything going on around you. And you'll see the fruit of it. You'll see the word of God become effectual have force and authority. When you see that happening in somebody's life, that their word truly has force and authority, effectiveness in their life, that what God says happens is happening in their life, you've got to dig a little bit deeper. Why? Why is that? It's not because they go to the same, a different church, because you can have them in the same church. Not because they have a different Bible. They, they may listen to the same teachers or many of them, somewhere along the lines, that word has come down and it's penetrated, it's soaked in, and we see it taking effect, making things happen on the inside there. They haven't given in to other traditions. That's what's happening. They're just simply believing what God says and taking their stand on that. And that's hard to do. In the world we live in, it's hard to do. There's pressure against it. Let's look at a couple examples of people who did it in the Bible. In Mark chapter five, verse twenty-five, let's see. Let's, we'll look at how this process played out. Mark five twenty-five through twenty-nine, and then we'll look at thirty-four. It says, "Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years." All the women said, "That's terrible." All the men say, that's horrible, right? This is bad. She's in bad shape. And she suffered many things from many physicians. She's been trying to get this taken care of for a long time, going to a lot of doctors. And she's suffering because they're trying stuff out that's not working. Not only that, but they're charging her for it. She doesn't have insurance, right? No Obamacare back then. I mean, she spent all she had. Look at that. She spent all she had. So she was broke, and she was sick. She was no better, but rather grew worse, progressively getting in a bad shape. But listen to this. Okay, so I, I talked about this. I said God's word comes down. It waters the earth. It causes things to happen. That, that, that's, that, that's how it works. You know, rain, God's word, and so forth. Listen to this, verse 27. It says, remembering the condition she's in, when she heard about Jesus, 
she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 34, there's a little bit of storyline that goes in between here. But verse 34, Jesus turns to her and he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here's what's happened. This lady's in bad shape, and then she heard about Jesus. When we talk about hearing about Jesus, let me tell you this. There's a pattern here for people getting results in their life. The very first pattern that we see is they hear. They hear something. They hear the word. They read the word. They hear the word. Maybe they hear preaching or teaching. Maybe they hear a testimony. Maybe they're witnessed to. Somebody shares about what Jesus is doing, has done, could do. That's what happened in her life. Once you hear, then you have the opportunity to choose to believe. And then you speak, and then you act, and then you see results. Okay, so here's a, here's a pattern. You'll see some of these things show up in her life. When she heard about Jesus, what does that mean? Somebody came along and told her, there's a man who's healing people of their sickness. There's a man who's doing miracles. There's someone who can change your life. And so when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. What happened? She acted upon it. Why did she act upon it? Well, it says, for she said, remember, she said, for she had said, she said before this, after she heard, she processed that in her heart. She wrestled with it and she made a decision. That's what faith is. Faith is receiving the truth. I'm going to process that and I'm going to choose to agree with that, that that is the truth. So then she said, this is what I'm going to do. She spoke words out that were in agreement with what she believed God would do, right? So she heard, she processed it, and she spoke out words of agreement. Sort of like Romans 10, 9, where it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There's this this result over there. There's this belief in the heart. There's a confession in your mouth. That word confess means to to agree with something, to agree with the word there. And that's what she did. And she said, if only I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She had the results in her life. She had results in her life. Jesus said, daughter, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. What you heard, you believed it, and it's made you well. There's another guy. You remember blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus? That's how he's known. Like, for all eternity, people are like, blind Bartimaeus in heaven. Yeah, can you stop calling me that? I can see you. Can you imagine? There's like all these people. You know Rahab the harlot? All through the Bible's history, you know, Rahab the harlot, not Rahab, that one who like saved her family and took in the spies, this great woman of faith. No, you know, Rahab the harlot, like in heaven. Hey, we, I want to go talk to, to Rahab the harlot. I'm not a harlot anymore, okay? I stopped that stuff. <clears throat> it's funny. So anyways, 
And this is like God calling them that because it's in the Bible. Mark 10, 46 says, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which is funny because Bartimaeus, when you see bar, it means son of. And so it's like it's redundant. And I just read that. I'm like, why did you say it twice? But he did. He said, blind son of Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. That's what he's saying. (laughs) Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging. And when he heard, listen, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. Well, what is son of David? That means something that he had already heard of Jesus, that he's the Messiah. These are messianic terms. This means that this is the guy who's going to do the stuff that God promised long time ago. This is the one we've been waiting for. He's the man with the solution, right? Here I am on the side of the road. I'm blind, and I hear that Jesus is coming. Listen, if you hear that anybody's coming to town, and if you're blind, are you going to think, you know what? I'm going to run up and just start yelling their name because I'm blind and they're in town. No, he's thinking, this guy will heal me. I mean, think about this. Like, Like, even if a doctor runs in and you're blind, you don't start yelling his name right? Just screaming like, hey, hey. I mean, think about this. He really believed that Jesus was the solution to his problem. He really believed that. And then he heard Jesus is coming to town, right? So then when he comes, he he yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. I, I love that. It, you know, he steps out in faith because he knows who Jesus is, and he knows, man, this is my one shot, right? It's not like there's a speaking schedule, and he knows, oh, I can get him next week so over here. There's not anything like that. He's very, he, 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 he's very adamant, this is my opportunity, and he starts crying out, and people warn him, hey, calm down, buddy, calm down a little bit. Don't do that. I, we do that to people sometimes. You're getting a little excited about Jesus, <laughs> right? Now, there's an appropriateness, like, like you know, at times and how we carry ourselves. But, but this guy broke all those boundaries there, and uh, he starts yelling out, and people warn him, hey, hey, relax, relax, and uh, be quiet. But he cried out all the more. More words started coming out of his mouth. Sometimes the enemy will try to calm you down. And get you off your words and off your faith. And when you know when you go quiet, sometimes uh, we talked about inward processors, outward processors. <laughs> when you go quiet, sometimes then all of a sudden the, the the doubts can come in too, and the the logic and reason, and you start to really think, well, maybe you know, maybe this he's not the Messiah. Maybe it's not for everybody. Maybe these things I heard about him, it's not true. But he spoke out, and he continued to speak words. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, man, this guy gets up. He starts taking action. He rose, and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? This is important because, Jesus, can you not see that he's blind? Like, obviously, that's it, but that's not obviously it. You know, there's people who could be blind, and they're thinking, this is not the worst thing to happen to me. There's other stuff more important in my life than this right now. 
And so Jesus just meets them where their faith's at. What are you believing for? What are you expecting? With him, it was his faith, his, his eyes there. And that's something important for you because you can assume you know what someone else's problem is and you can try to address that in prayer and declaring and faith and so forth. Even when somebody comes and says, hey, you know, my, my mom is going through this or I'm experiencing that and you, you, can ask, you can just jump in and start praying the solution. But really you need to ask them, well, what are you believing for here? What are you believing for here? Well, I'm believing that the doctors will, will be able to identify it and remove it. Okay, Praise the Lord. I'm going to believe with you because I can't, I can't, I'm not going to supersede your faith here, right? By, by just, by, by coming in and, and believing for you, I'm going to meet you where your faith is at. And if that's where you believe in God, that, that he's going to direct those doctors, we'll agree with that. You know, God can do even more, but what do you want? What are you believing for? We prophesy according to our faith. We act upon our faith. If we act beyond our faith, we're presumptuous. And when it'll show up in our life that, oh, we really, we really weren't there, right? And so anyways, that's a little side note. He took action. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight results and followed Jesus on the road. Okay, I've got to wrap this up because I'm... I'm three, four minutes over my clock back there. Here's a pattern in our life. When God said, this is how my ways are. They're higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Um, my word, when it comes down into your life, it produces faith, which leads to results. You know, you, you, um, you've, got to, you've got to hear You've got to believe it. You need to speak in agreement with it. You've got to act on it before you see the results. So those are things that we, we would bring ourselves back to the word. God, where am I right on that? Where am I missing it? Because am I hearing your, tra your tradition and someone else's tradition? You know, your teaching and am I, am I between two opinions on this? Well, we're not going to get to the next step. We're not going to get to this next step. This is why we talk, hey, get in your, get your Bible, get a journal, start reading with us on the Solid Life reading plan. Like, just get God's Word in you. Find some faith-filled teaching that, that when you come away, you're not just encouraged or more knowledgeable, but man, you believe God, right? You believe God. Find, find people who minister like that. Begin to purposely speak these things out over your life. What is the situation? Begin to speak out. If only I may touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. You know, Jesus healed by words. He, he healed by laying hands on people. He healed in a number of ways. He met them where their faith was. She said, I have to touch the hem of his garment. Other people might have got healed by saying, Hey, if, if I can just see him with my eyes, then I'll be healed. You know, what, whatever. Um, but hear the word, believe it, speak it out, and act on it. You've got to go to, okay, God, what are you telling me to do? What are you telling me to do? What do I need to do in response to this? What do I need to do in response to this? What is God saying here? I want to fill you up with faith. Because when my word comes down, it's going to 
prosper in the thing that I've sent it for in your life. When you align yourself, when you believe that, and you're going to act on it in, in your life, your assignment is dependent on this. Your assignment from God is dependent upon you receiving the water of the word, right? Receiving that into your life and letting it soak in so that it causes something to happen in your life. Everything we talk about over the next three weeks or so about filling the earth starts off with this right here. Hearing from God. Agreeing with his word in faith. Speaking it out. Acting on it. You received that this morning?